This podcast contains explicit language and deals with confronting issues of mental health that may be triggering for some listeners. If you are having any problems, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. What is metal's role in redemption? What is fatherhood from afar like? And how can our bandmates be there for us during our darkest times? We answer these questions and more on today's podcast, The Demons Within. Welcome back to the podcast, The Demons Within. I have my friend here today, Adam. How are you doing, my man? I'm good, man. How are you? Quite well, thank you very much. Now, Adam's from Hybrid Nightmares. If you haven't looked at them before, what I would say is, where have you been? They are freaking amazing. The thing I will ask, though, is what got you into metal? Where's the roots of your metal journey? It sort of all began with like corn in 1997. I was like seven years old and I was hanging at my mate's place and we were just playing with Lego. I was seven years old. Yeah, as I said. And his brother was just listening to corn and Limp Biscuit. It sort of scared me at the time, but that's why also I was like, wow, it's fucking cool. So I was just drawn to it. And then I sort of ditched it for a while. I like, I was like, yeah, that's cool. But I didn't, I didn't really like get into the lifestyle or get into it and go looking for other bands. I would listen to corn and Limp Biscuit when I was there because I didn't have that at home. And then it wasn't until I was, I started high school, I met my mate Josh, who showed me Marilyn Manson, Slipknot, and Cradle of Filth. And the first Cradle of Filth song he showed me was Babylon AD from Damnation in a Day with the film clip. And I was just like, holy crap, I want to grow my hair. I want to wear makeup and I want to like wear all those finger rings and all that jewelry and stuff. That's so goddamn cool. And I was coming out of a massive like rap phase. I had like a Dada jacket and like a Wu-Tang shirt. I was like Ali G, but Australian. And I was like a skater as well. So I was into all my pop punk and everything. And and yeah, I just saw this vision of Danny Filth and I was like, holy hell, that's what I want to do. I just thought it was so cool. And the music like really hit me. And I just loved it. Like I got Slipknot Iowa. So I was on the bus home and all of a sudden surfacing came on and I was like, this is exactly how I feel at this point in my life, you know? Really interested in this idea that we connect with music in a level that's sort of intuitive. This is how I feel. The language that you're using there when you say this is how I feel is really interesting to me because it isn't a part of. You didn't say oh, his voice was amazing. I love the drums. I love the guitar. I love the high energy. You said, This is how I feel. So tell me a little bit more about that. Like, where, where did that come from? Well, I guess it's going to high school back. But back in 2003, it was pretty different. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know how high school is now, but being, you know, a goth or a metalhead back then, you were bullied a bit and you were uh, sort of kicked around and had bottles thrown at me and all that type of crap. So it made you a bit angry. And I'm not really like an angry person. I'm a really chill person, even though, like, on the inside, I might be angry, but you know, I don't, I don't get angry. So listening to music that was angry made me feel better. It's an interesting outlet because I think you know things like anger and frustration. I think they're all part of same area when we talk about anger and frustration they they kind of go to the same sort of point i think frustration is just on the path to anger and when we sort of think about where that comes from and what that means i think everyone feels it and everyone wants to do certain things because of it and having a positive outlet that is metal is a really interesting thing for you to do quite early what, what did you do before metal entered your life like 
you said you were quite a passive guy. Like, what did you do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a punching bag and I skateboarded a lot. And I did like jackass stunts. That, that was sort of my outlet was I was doing all that type of stuff. Just, you know, trying to be funny, but at the same time, like doing dangerous things, jumping off roofs. And I'm, my nickname in primary school was Pogo because I jumped off my roof with a pogo stick. It broke the pogo stick. You know, I, I broke many bones. I think it's understandable behavior if you don't feel you have a healthy enough outlet to talk or to express difficult emotions like anger is to do things that are dangerous. I think, you know, and other people who have been on this podcast talk about things like alcoholism or the other avenues that they'll take of self-destruction in order to sort of placate this this feeling of anger that they have. So I'm sort of seeing that, you know, you've looked at this thing, you've looked at, you know, Cradle of Filth, you've looked at Danny Filth and you've kind of gone, this is how I feel. I can channel it down this path. Has that been a lasting impact for you? Like that, has that been something that over the years you've been able to rely on metal and you know this always gets me through is that the feeling you get or is it still bubble over and you still have difficulty with it do you think i mean it's changed so completely from just about like it's not even anger anymore like i would say heavy metal today actually calms me when i'm more worried so like i don't like flying at all and you know hybrid's done three tours of japan and last year we did the cradle tour and that was so many planes and like so i have two songs i listen to when the plane's landing if we're going through turbulence that's uh, Promise of Fever by Cradle of Filth or Descending Angel by The Misfits. I'll drum on my legs to Promise of Fever. And that's what sort of helps me focus and, and remain calm through a rough landing. Uh, even David Bowie. David Bowie's a, a big one. I know it's not metal, but it's still that alternative. It's those sort of artists. I listen to music the entire time on a, I'm on a plane because I can't listen to like just the, the ambient engine sound. So it's way more calming now. I mean, there, there's been rough times in my life where I've gone, like uh, starting drums. I, this is a very silly story, but... Like it was a girlfriend broke up with me and I, I played piano before I played drum and my friend had a drum kit. So I was like, can I just go let some anger out on your drum kit? And I did and I loved it. And of course, over time, that becomes less about anger management and more about it's a profession. Really interested in this idea that you have. I mean, you have specific songs that you use to be mindful. That's legitimately what you're saying there. And I think that's really interesting because I dare say there are a lot of people out there that they do that, but they don't even know that they are. They don't know that, you know, putting that song on for the hundredth time is actually doing something for them emotionally. They just feel like listening to it again and they just put it on again. So I think I really respect the fact that you're able to say it in such a, you know, eloquent way. I want to touch back on what you were talking about when you said, you know, I had a girlfriend break up and that sort of led me towards drums because of just the sheer sort of anger. You know, I I just want to pound away and do all those sorts of things. What are the things that sort of happened within your life at this stage that have put you back onto the path of metal or strengthen your path towards metal? The, the main one would be, this is going to get very deep. I have a son with a, back here, he was born in 2011 and his mother decided to leave me by text and I basically didn't leave my room for about two months out of depression except for band practice. That was the only thing that sort of got me through that time was just my band and having somewhere to go and have just a good time there was nothing serious there, you know it was just playing music with a bunch of mates sounds like it would have been a really hard time i mean we can never sort of take depression very lightly i think it's a very scary and destructive time i think a lot of people fall into it particularly metalheads and i think you know in the conversations that i've had i think the reason why metalheads are sort of drawn towards that sort of music is because they have felt those emotions before i think i've said this on another podcast at one stage but i think that is one of the things so what, what i would ask 
ask you is, can you tell me how did your bandmates react around this? I mean, were you open with them during that time? Yeah, yeah. I've always been very open about my past. I mean, when, when I was a teenager, I used to, you know, hide things from my parents and stuff like that. And as soon as I was like 20, I was like, I just told them all that shit I did in high school because I was like, who cares? You know, it, it's past that. But uh, yeah, my band was super like my best friend, John. We started hybrid together. I mean, I called him the minute it happened and he rushed over and picked me up. We're very close, Hybrid. We, we, we started as just mates playing music, you know. Makes a massive difference, I think, to that sort of third space. And for those people listening that aren't overly au fait with this idea of third space, it's the idea that home is one space, work is another space, and then there's a third space that you have that doesn't bleed into the other two. So music tends to be for metalheads that third space and they'll go off and jam and or go see gigs or something like those lines other people do things like you know go to pubs and stuff like that but you know there's a i think there is a real need for third space because i think it's really inspirational when you say you know my my bandmates were there for me like i said i sort of came to like a piece with all this type of you know talking about my feelings and stuff like i'll quite happily tell my best friend that i love him every time i see him you know i got to a point where i was like why is it so hard for people just to you know tell people how they feel or what's what's real to them you know i don't know i think people get their get their guard up they get worried that they're going to be seen as weak or or lesser than. I mean, it's just not true, you know. Being able to have that healthy relationship with with people is is the best because you know you can tell them anything, you can talk to them, and then they're just going to listen. And if you want help, they'll give it. In a society where it is not okay to wear your heart on your sleeve wearing your heart on your sleeve is the brave move and the thing that actually takes courage so i think you know that's fantastic really now you travel around a fair bit and you've probably spoken to a lot of fans of metal and all those sorts of things i'm really interested in this idea of metalheads commingling and not not really talking about the problems and the issues that they they have but being there for that reason i've found that a lot of people when they're having a rough time talk about metal music they talk about their favorite albums albums and their favorite songs or riffs or drum beats that's almost therapy as soon as i see anyone on facebook share a song that's a red flag to me you think about it in this fashion that this person has become so connected to this track that they've decided to share it on their on their platforms knowing full well they're probably family members and people who don't like metal are on are on their facebook page and you know grandma's on there and my auntie's on there or whatever and i'm gonna share this you know this song by you know creator or something you know i'm gonna share something that really means something to me i see that as, as quite a quite a risk and to me anytime i see something like that I, I think to myself yeah it's not just that you feel strongly about the song it's just that something's going on and this this is your way to actually communicate it but again it's yet another thing we don't really talk about how do you go with your relationship with your son around music how does that work for you, you have a healthy relationship with that or is it you try to shield him how does it work well, unfortunately i don't get to see him often they uh they live quite inner in new south wales and that's where she went when it when it all went down so i've, I've only seen seen him once in the past seven years when i do try and push she sort of retreats and i never wanted to be that guy who was like well we're taking this family to court you know i feel like that's I don't want to put a kid through court and through all that crap. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I've sort of reserved myself to thinking when the time's right, you know, I, I didn't know my dad till I was 13. And then he didn't really try to put any effort into knowing me. That's something I definitely don't want to be like. So I, I guess I get really anxious talking to my ex as well. I find it quite hard to try and be like assertive with like, when can I come up? When can I see him? Because whenever I have done that in the past, I usually get shut down or I don't get a reply. I still get photos and, you know, stuff like that. But actually like trying to work out when to go up is usually I don't get, uh, get the time of day, I suppose. Last time I saw him was five years ago. We hung out 
and like I, I went up there for three days and we spent every day together. It's unfortunately one in a in a list of a few. I've had a a woman accuse me of rape because she she cheated on her boyfriend with me and uh, she didn't want to, in her words, get in trouble. So she just accused me of that. And that was at high school and that basically uh, ruined my sort of high school. I, I like I left high school. I went to I did VCAL instead and there was all these rumors about me that I'd done this horrible stuff. And you know, I, I was an awful an awful guy like with with women back then. Like try just, you know, hitting on every single girl I knew and all this crap. And it wasn't until a little while after that that I sort of realized that I was being a bit of a asshole about all this stuff and I really calmed down. And I guess it's now I've been in a relationship for five years and I'm sort of at a place where it's like it's easy to look back on that and realize all the wrong things I did and sort of be able to talk about it. And then, yeah, and then just again, one day I just realized that, hang on, that's not what you do. That's not right. And it takes a lot of lot of bullshit, like a lot of hurt feelings and stuff to realize that. But I'm glad I'm glad I realized that. And like I've I've gone back to people I I know I've hurt in the past uh, emotionally, and I've tried to apologize, and just because I re- I realized shit I was a fuckhead then, and you didn't deserve that shit. I mean, that takes a lot of guts to sort of you know go back and try to apologize and try to make some sort of amends. I'm interested to know what made you want to do that. I don't know. I there was a, a couple of years where I got really like afraid of death. And it's all I could think about. And I was like, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't because I was just like, fuck, I'm gonna die one day and what's after that? You know? And it got me thinking about like, I don't want to die being hated by all these people and having them feel crap because of something I did. So I feel like I just want to make amends and try and and I and, and it was also that like I had great friendships with these people before the crap. So I want to try and you know not not necessarily get that friendship back but at least let them know that I was genuinely sorry. There's still a couple of friends who I can't even find who I didn't realize that I was treating them badly until way, way later. And now I can't even find them to try and apologize. It's really interesting the sort of path of redemption that you've got there. And I'm seeing real parallels between the way you've sort of worked through with friends from school and the way you're approaching, you know, the potential relationship with your son. It seems that you treating very carefully because you, you're afraid things are fragile and will be broken. I mean, would that be fair? Yeah, 100%. Because like, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly, you know, I can't just rock up to the house or anything like that. that. That'd be wrong. It's like if she stopped all communication, I'd have no idea what to do. So I guess the way I sort of look at it is a little communication is better than nothing. The way you're handling the thing with your son, the way you've gone towards drums, the way you're using music as a meditative mindful activity these are all very careful choices that you've made within your life in an effort to sort of stay afloat you know to, to stay true to who you are and to do the things that you think are right i mean even asking for forgiveness from the people that you feel you've wronged in the past is is a choice and a powerful choice and i think that's something that we can take away from from your story and where you've come from is there anything you wanted to add to that idea no that, that sums it up very well yeah it's it's all just coming to the realization that and this it, it, it was all during that time where i was really fearful of death was we've got to do these things now you know it's not like you can just put off being a good dude until later you know you got to start doing that that shit now or, or at least writing wrongs you know like we've all done stupid shit you know no one out there is mr perfect i, I guess it's my philosophy was like became just don't be 
an asshole. And like there was other bands in the scene when we were sort of coming up a bit who we were, or at least I was, I can't speak for anyone else. I was jealous of that they were getting these shows and we weren't. And it turned into a bit of bitterness. And in the last couple of years, again, I've been able to look at that and go, oh, that was just me being jealous. And now I'm 100% fine to go to that that person from that band and be like, man, I was super jealous of you at that time. And that's why I might've been a bit of an asshole to you. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about that. I'm being a person that's been in the scene for a long time being a person in a band that is actually looked up to by a lot of people out there particularly the local scene do you see more of that sort of rift between the people who can congratulate others and say hey man you know well done i'm i'm really loving the latest stuff that you've you've brought out and i think you're just fantastic thank you so much for producing that stuff and the people that say you know this band's shit they suck you know no one likes them why does anyone ever go to their shows and you know the these sorts of you know negative statements usually through jealousy i suppose i mean i don't i don't know whether there's inadequacies there that i don't fully comprehend but you know are there any messages or any ideas that you'd like to sort of tell the listeners here uh, about that area of the scene yeah i suppose just take a band for what it is we're not separate you know in the melbourne metal scene at least i mean and even all of australia we all come under australian heavy metal and we have to build each other up because it's the only way we're actually going to get noticed is if we all help each other out with it and don't try and put any bands down or or you know for no reason If, if some guy in a band has done something awful and they get rid of that member, you know, keep continuing to su- support that band, you know. In our first five years, there was lots in the Melbourne metal scene, there was lots of, of little shit fights or little like, oh, no, we don't like that band. Oh, they don't like us, so we don't like them. And then all the bands that are the same age as us who are still around, it's all like, oh, man, we were so young and silly. It's it's just, it has to become about building each other up so we can all make it, so we can all play 300 to 600 person shows and have a good time, you know? Yeah, share that love. Fantastic sentiment. Thank you so much for joining me today, Adam. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate how candid you've been about the experiences that you had. I hope that the listeners can take some stock with some of these things and perhaps you can change some lives out there. Thanks, man. Uh, Look, that'd be awesome. Someone can listen to this and sort of see a, a way out of pain that they're experiencing. That'd be sick. If this podcast has been triggering for you in any way, please seek help by calling Lifeline on 13 11 14.